Hey folks, welcome to the Church of the Outer Banks podcast. This is Joey Fitzgerald, your host and the pastor at Church of the Outer Banks. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, as you know, we are um, in the midst of uh, responding to the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, uh, here in our country. On the Outer Banks, they have uh, shut the bridges down uh, for so that only homeowners and uh, permanent residents can get on and off the Outer Banks. All the schools are shut down and restaurants and bars are limited to takeout only. Uh, I am sure the same is true for you wherever you may be. And uh, so you are in my prayers because this is a uh, interesting and, and difficult time. I know that uh, some folks are sick, and we pray for all of those that are sick, but I know that uh, many more are struggling financially right now, and uh, they are worried about uh, the economy and what that's going to do to them, and are they able to pay bills, uh, make rent, uh, pay the mortgage. And and so uh, I want to take a moment before we dive deeper into this podcast and uh, and just pray Um, So pray with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we come before you now and we ask for your blessings on our world. We pray for those in Italy, those in China, and those in places that are uh, hit very hard by this pandemic. Lord, we pray for comfort for those that have lost loved ones. We pray for those that are fearful right now that you would calm them that you would take away their anxieties. We pray for all of those that are facing economic hardship. Lord, may those of us that might not be affected economically, uh, may we be able to help uh, and sacrificially give so that others uh, can have the needs that uh, um, have their needs met. So, Lord, we lift all this up to you, and we give you thanks that you are in control and that you remind us time and time again in scriptures to not fear. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for loving us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen. Okay. Um, Just remember, do not fear. Uh, God is with us, and God is at work. And so, with that said, we're just going to carry on with the podcast where we left off two weeks ago, and uh, we had been talking about two stream, or three streams, one river. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the second stream um, in this uh, in this teaching, uh, and just a refresher to remind you of of where we are at. There is this teaching called Three Streams, One River, and it's the idea that throughout the history of the church, there's been three predominant streams that have risen up at various times uh, and for various reasons. The church is strongest when the church is swimming in all three streams at once, when all three of those streams merge together uh, and flow as one river. So the three streams are the evangelical stream, uh, which is the call to preach the gospel Uh, to the lost, uh, to go out into the entire world proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ is King, that He is Lord of Lords, and that He uh, came, uh, that He died, and that He conquered death and rose again and ascended into heaven um, and is preparing a place for us uh, as He brings, one day will bring uh, about the new heavens and the new earth where He will reign forever. 
and all of those that are in him that have confessed faith in Jesus Christ are made members of his family, members of his kingdom, and they will live forever and ever uh, with him where there will be no tears, there will be no sadness, there will be no pain or sorrow, uh, but only the goodness and the grace and the mercy of living in God's kingdom. That's something to look forward to, and those that is good news. And so uh, that's what gospel means. That's what evangelism means. It simply means good news. And uh, so we take that good news out into the world. So that's stream number one. The second stream is what we are going to talk about today, uh, which we call the historic Catholic stream or the liturgical sacramental stream. And uh, the third stream, which we'll talk about in the next episode, is the Pentecostal stream, or sometimes called the Charismatic stream. All right, so I know that if I mention the word Catholic, uh, for a lot of people, that that raises um, uh, questions. They're not quite sure what that means. And uh, I just want to tell you that the word Catholic really simply means universal. The way that uh, the Anglican Catechism describes the word Catholic is this um it says why is the church called catholic the term catholic means according to the whole the church is called catholic because it holds the, the it holds the whole faith once and for all delivered to the saints which is you and me and all believers in christ and it maintains the continuity with the apostolic church throughout time and space <laughs> what what on earth does that mean? It simply means that we are part of the entire body of Christ uh, throughout all of time and throughout all of space. That we are united with other Christians regardless of whether they live now or they lived 200 years ago or 500 years ago or or 10,000 or, or 2,000 years ago. Uh, we are also united with all the Christians, uh, regardless of space. Um, we are united together, even as we remain isolated in our own homes, and we're not able to worship together on Sundays right now. But we are still united with each other, whether you're uh, across the world in, in China or you're right here on the Outer Banks. Um, we are united together. And so that's why we use the word Catholic. We mean universal. Um, but let me even back up further than that. What does the word church mean? Um, and again, we look at the Anglican Catechism to define church. Question 89 in the uh, Anglican Catechism says, What is the church? The church is the whole community of faithful Christians in heaven and on earth. The church on earth gathers in local congregations to worship in word and sacrament, to serve God according to the scriptures, and to proclaim the gospel under the leadership of those whom God appoints for these purposes. And you can find verses uh, that back this up in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, 1 Peter 2, 9. Um, and uh, so, so dive into scripture. There's a lot more than, than that, but you can see that the church is the whole body of Christ, uh, but it also has a structure to it. Uh, it's just—it's not just a, an amorphic kind of blob. Um, the church has a structure. I love in in the Bible uh, when it uses uh, metaphors of um, agriculture, uh, because agriculture is is a, a combination of of structure and and organic. Um, 
if you were to uh, plant a vineyard. You couldn't just plant your uh, your grapevines. The grapevines need structure in order to grow and thrive. And so I think the church and God's people are best described in, in those kind of terms, agricultural terms. We need structure, uh, but at the same time, uh, we, are, or we are organically grown from Christ himself and, and raised up. So uh, when we talk about the, the Catholic stream, what we simply mean is that we are part of a 2,000-year history of followers of Christ. We are also united with those that came before Jesus, uh, those that represented um, God's chosen people in the Old Testament. We are united in Christ to all of those who are in heaven and all of those that came before us and all of those that are in Christ now. So often churches, I think, forget this, and they see themselves as isolated beings um, and uh, kind of see their their church in in a more individualistic pattern. But we don't want to do that, and I think the church really loses something uh, when they forget their history and when they isolate them even from other churches and, and other even denominations in this world today. We need to be connected with one another. Um, just this past Monday, I met with uh, three other church pastors, and we got together. Uh, there was a Methodist a Church of Christ and a, a charismatic, non-denominational uh, church pastor, uh, and we got together and we prayed. We prayed about the uh, COVID-19 and the spread of the coronavirus. We, we, we prayed for each other, for our churches. We prayed for our world. And it was a beautiful example of the body of Christ coming together, uh, crossing denominational lines, and uh, holding hands together as, as the body of Christ. Um, and so that's what we want to look to, both, both in space but also in time, and I think this is the one that really gets to, uh, or the, the one that a lot of people forget these days, and that is we have to be connected to the church that came before us. Um, this, is, this is important. It's a bit egotistical, I think, uh, to think of ourselves um, as some sort of uh, pinnacle of 2,000 years. Uh, we are not the... Um, uh, we are not the crowning achievement of of 2,000 years of, of Christianity. We simply sit uh, in the same line as our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're no better than they are. As a matter of fact, in a lot of ways, the earlier church uh, and, and the churches before us uh, might have had a clearer understanding of the gospel. Sometimes in our world, because we're so inundated with modern communication uh, with, with the internet and social media, that we allow those things to filter in our minds first. And so we approach Scripture, um, trying to get Scripture uh, to align to our own lens, to our own vision uh, of the way that we see the world. And that's the opposite way that we're supposed to see Scripture. Scripture is supposed to conform our life uh, to it, not the other way around. And, and I think a lot of churches, a lot of Christians, are trying to conform Scripture to modern thought and modern understanding. I hope that that makes sense. Um, and one of the ways to fight against that is to look back and see what the 2,000-year history of the church has taught us. We need to understand that uh, the things that we are experiencing in this world 
the various sins, the various trials, the various um, uh, temptations aren't new to us. Sexual sin, sins of, of, of uh, greed, uh, war, violence, all of those things have been around. Uh, they're not new. And our brothers and sisters in Christ that came before us have written about it. They have uh, come together in, in mighty church councils. Uh, they, have, uh, they have come together in unity to express how the church should view these things in light of Scripture. Again, Scripture is the plumb line. Scripture is the thing that defines all else. And, uh, and so we have to, we have to look at, at our own um, current context in light of what the church has said before us and I think a great example of that, and I'm not going to go into detail on this, but a great example of that really is the way that uh, modern culture views uh, human sexuality, the way we view gender. Um, these are not new uh, um, new issues. These issues have been around for 2,000 years, and the church has been very, very clear on its teaching uh, for 2,000 years. Um, uh, the modern uh, Christian view of, of sexuality is not a, an invention of, um, you know, I, puritanical uh, viewpoints on, on sex. This actually, the teaching of one man, one woman uh, in a sexual relationship that's confined to, um, to the marriage, uh, that's not new and, is, and has been around forever. So, um, when we forget the historical view of things, we think that we can kind of come in and make up our own view of Scripture, and then we dismiss this 2,000-year uh, history of the church. And that's just dangerous, because what we end up is having a false gospel. Uh, we, we end up with a uh, gospel that is uh, conformed to our worldview rather than having our worldview conformed to Scripture. So that's one piece of, of the historical stream is that we simply understand that we are united to the whole full body of Christ, uh, past, present. And I would even argue uh, we are united with the body of Christ in, in the future. And that's an episode for, for another day and, and why I, I believe that. Um, but, uh, but, but I do think that we are united to the entire body of Christ um, in this uh, in, in, in this miraculous way. So, uh, the second part of this, of this stream, this Catholic sacramental liturgical stream is how we worship. Um, worship is important. And for 2000 years, Christians have been worshiping, uh, with their, their service in two parts, the table and the word. And the word has always came first, and then the sacrament uh, of communion, the table, always comes in the second half of, of the service. This is not, uh, again, this isn't a, an invention of, of mo the modern church or invention of the Middle Ages, uh, but you look back to the first, um, uh, the first uh, generation of, of followers of, of Christ, and you see that their worship pattern uh, was just this. They proclaimed the Word of God, uh, reading scriptures, reading psalms, 
um, and, uh, and, and working in the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim God's word. And then the service always moved from that into celebrating uh, Holy Communion. And listen to what Paul writes. Paul's speaking of, uh, of, of Holy Communion. And he's giving the church in, in Corinth instructions uh, on taking communion. And he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. So let's stop there. Paul received this teaching from Christ himself. Um, and uh, and we know that Paul has these has had amazing encounters with Jesus where Jesus appeared to him, even though Jesus had already ascended into heaven. Christ came and appeared to Paul himself. And so Paul is saying, I received this directly from Jesus, and now I'm delivering it to you. And then he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Folks, these are words that, that I say at church every single Sunday. Um, it's, it's not words that the church invented. These are words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit that Paul wrote down and has become our holy scriptures. Um, this has been uh, the, the, the formula. These have been the words that have been said at the consecration of, of the Holy Eucharist for 2,000 years, which is pretty remarkable that we are worshiping in the exact same way that Christians have been doing since the very beginning. But why do we why do we celebrate the communion last? Why does that become kind of the uh, the, the the climax of the worship service? And it really is. I mean, folks, uh, if you imagine, you know, the the arc of of a story, um, you know, the story is introduced at the beginning, and uh, slowly the story begins to build and build and build and build, and then finally, uh, in the story, it, in, whether it's a movie or a novel or a book, it comes to this great climactic moment, uh, and then you have resolution, and then you come down on the other side uh, and, and the story ends. And this is exactly what we see in uh, in liturgy and in the way that we worship. Uh, the, the worship service begins and the story begins to be told and we read scriptures, we read from the Psalms and we read from the Gospels and then we expand upon that and then we get to this final moment where we walk up to the table and, and, uh, and we receive the Lord's uh, body and blood ourselves and that's the climactic moment that's the moment that we build to why do we build to that moment why don't we build to something else well again we look at what paul writes paul writes this in the 10th chapter of first corinthians he says i speak to you as sensible people judge for yourselves what i say the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? 
And Paul says it plainly, that when we encounter the, the cup, when we encounter the bread, that we truly are participating in the body and the blood of Christ. Now, we don't have to define that mystery. I know a lot of churches want to define that. The Catholic Church has a definition of, 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 of how this happens and, and what exactly this is. But I think that it's okay that we rest in mystery and we simply say, Scripture says that this is the body and blood of Christ. This, it's a mystery, uh, but it is what, what it is. And even Jesus himself says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Folks, when, when we come to worship, the reason we do communion every single Sunday is because we are participating in the body and the blood of Christ himself. We are participating in Christ, in both his death and his resurrection. It's a mystery, but it's beautiful. It's amazing. It is the thing that we should aim for because it feeds us. It nourishes us. Listen, uh, again, I'm going to go back to the catechism. What does the catechism say uh, about about the holy sacraments. First of all, it says that a sacrament is an outward and a visible sign of an inward and a spiritual grace, meaning that the bread and the wine or, or the bread and the grape juice, uh, they simply are outward signs of something efficacious, something that, that has an effect that is happening on the inside. Christ is, is blessing through the power of the Holy Spirit you with with grace with nourishment uh feeding your body and feeding your soul we're told this about um holy communion that christ instituted it for the continued remembrance of the sacrifice of his atoning death and to convey the benefits the uh to convey the benefits to the faithful received through that sacrifice. That's Luke 22, 17 through 20, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, what I just read, 16 and 17. Um, I like this. What are the uh, what are the what benefits do you receive through partaking of the sacraments? The catechism says, as my body is nourished by the bread and wine, I receive the strengthening and refreshing of my soul by the body and blood of Christ, and I receive the strengthening and refreshing of the love and unity I share with my fellow Christians with whom I am united in one body. And, and it goes back to the whole church. It goes back to the Holy Catholic Church, lowercase c, Catholic meaning universal. When we participate in communion, we are participating in Christ's death and resurrection along with the entire body of Christ. We are being united with Jesus and we are being united with one another. This is something that can't happen simply in song or it can't happen just in um, uh, you know, an emotional moment during the worship service. Those are good things. But it's only in communion, it's only in the Holy Eucharist, that we are being united with Jesus and the whole body of Christ at once. That's awesome. So 
this is what this is what we um, believe is true of of this uh, of this stream, the the Catholic liturgical sacramental stream. We believe that we are one body with all Christians, past and present. We believe that we are being united with Jesus in the holy sacrament of communion. And so we design our worship service to come to a climax right at that moment of receiving communion. And then we end our worship service being sent out into the world because at this point we have been nourished by God's word. We have been nourished uh, through the uh, the, um, the worship of, of God in song and we have been nourished in God's holy communion. So now that we are fed, we are strengthened, so we're sent out into the world to convey and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to engage in the second stream, uh, or in the, the first stream of evangelism. All right, so that is the first two streams. The stream of evangelism we talked about last time, this was the Holy Catholic um, uh, sacramental liturgical stream and uh, those two things are wonderful and they're powerful but without the third stream uh, they lack power and that third stream is the charismatic stream the Pentecostal stream the work of the Holy Spirit and we will get into that in the next episode alright folks I hope you enjoyed this if you have questions you can always reach out to me and uh, you can check Church of the Outer Banks uh, website and Facebook page uh, for different updates on what is happening in the life of the church, especially right now in the midst of the coronavirus. All right, folks, take care. God bless. I'm praying for you. Bye.